Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord Riddell. And I am here with the ever-evolving co-host, Jan <laughs> Hill. Hi, Jan. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, oops, I grew again. You grew again. Because I'm ever-evolving. You are. In, but in so many more ways than just simply, uh, you know, side to side. Um, Hopefully my third eye will pop out. Not when I'm sitting in front of it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> wear your sunglasses. Yucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, look outside right now. It's just amazing. Uh, as everything has now begun to change. It's that time of the year. Uh, the, I always find fall colors just so, uh, they're just so vibrant, to say mm-hmm. nothing of the trees and, and so on, up here in the far north of Toronto. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting time of the year. Uh, I always think nature gives us some cues around uh, the fact that everything does change. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we should talk about. Do you want to change? I think that's a great idea. Let's talk about change. Do you want to change? Do I want to change? Sure. Into what? Uh, I just want that third eye. <laughs> okay. I think we have a costume for that. There uh, we go. <laughs> exactly. Do uh, you want to change? Yeah. There's some things I'd like to change still. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of feel like I've changed a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, but yet at the same time, we're still at our core. Mm-hmm. We're still the same people in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's just getting rid of all the stuff that was keeping it covered over. You know what? I think that's really true. And like, I think the first half of our life, we learn stuff. The second half of our life, we unlearn it. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. And get to enjoy maybe uh, how we arrived here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It got so densely covered over. Mm-hmm. And everybody exactly. else's belief systems. So maybe that unlearning piece is really about coming back to yourself. Oh, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. You know, I think it's. I mean, that's what I've always really enjoyed about the elders, uh, you know, in our communities and so on. Is you know, they sound, people think that they're just rude or they're just they just don't have an investment in caring what you what you happen to think. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what they want. This is where they want to go now, and. You know, I, I just I just absolutely uh, uh, love that sort of mentality. I mean, I was talking about, you know, wanting to be rude, but, uh, you know, there's still a place for manners. <laughs> well, right, but the, there's this whole idea that wherever we are in our stage of life, and, you know, when we look back to see where other people are, what where other people are when we were in that stage of life, a lot of times the concerns and the worries are the same. Yeah. Right? And they're overinflated because, in a way, when we're living in it, it's like, ah, you know, that boy didn't call me back, or, you know, ah, <laughs> he, he did. That nail polish is, or he did. <laughs> that nail polish is the wrong color, or, you know, my kids didn't get into the right school. But then, you know, when you get through that stage, you actually realize that, yep, your kids went to a different school and they're okay and you're okay. Okay, exactly, exactly. I'm okay, you're okay. I think. No, 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 I'm okay, you're not. Uh, (laughs) That was a follow-up book, but he didn't live that long. Um, You know, I I think that one of the things I like about grandparents, uh, for instance, and and why, why, you know, people have such a a relationship with them Mm. that's very different than their parents, is 
because they're through all that angst. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of arrive and they're very nice. My dad said he loved being a grandfather because <laughs> someone took them home, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the children home at night, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he could he could relax. So they, mm-hmm. they didn't have that kind of an angst. So the, the grandparent always ends up having sort of this special place in our hearts, mm-hmm. you know. And it's because they're they're not, you know, focused on getting all this change. They've done it all. Yep. They've been there. They're not worried about careers. You know, when we think of our parents when we were little, what our parents were going through. Yep. They were, you know, with jobs and, and housing and uh, the right schools, all that kind of stuff that you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, grandparents were like, whatever. Well, and this is why in, in family, in um, cultures where they have extended families, the grandparents do a lot of the child raising because those are the ones who have time to sort of teach the moral codes and they have time to share the histories. Certainly in indigenous cultures, this is true, right? Mm. It's when the parents who are already maxed out for things that they need to get done in a day are all now supposed to be the primary caregivers. Yeah. It becomes problematic, right? And my one grandmother was the the historian, Mm. you know, um, on, on, you know, my father's side. And unfortunately, then when I began to do genograms and all that kind of stuff, she passed away. Oh. And so there was no more historians. And it was like, oh, did I listen? You know, and, and trying to pull these names up that I was coming across. And, right, right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's like, listen to your historians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because right? when they're gone and you're going to you're gonna want to know as you uh, move into an elder phase, you're going to want to know actually where you came from. Mm-hmm. I'm finding a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that 20 year olds don't care. No. You know, 60 year olds do. Yep. Yeah. 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 So well, I think I the, the point is that we, we really all want to make changes in our life and we think about it and we plan it and we talk to other people about it and maybe we even <laughs> like commit publicly to things that we are sure that we will absolutely do if all our friends know that we're going to do it. And then we never do them. And then we never do it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, okay. So this brings up for me two things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that I was taught if you're going to go for something, just go for it. Yep. And I, I'm really understanding it now because the the other thing around that is everyone has an opinion. Mm-hmm. But why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a good idea? And we sort of get all this yuck energy all over our great ideas. Yeah. Negative you know? thought around your creative process exactly so when when i was taught you know you just hold on to it you maybe tell one or two people that are you're close to you don't lose all the energy that should be going into what you're focusing on yeah and then convincing people and then convincing people exactly who just suck all that energy out of you just do it yeah right but there's a trick to just doing it because i think what happens is whether you tell people or not and i agree with you that's one of the biggest kinds of mistakes that we make sometimes when we're changing things or we're trying to make a change is that we blab about it way too early, right? Way too early. But there is actually a a phenomenon of change and we can look at that more closely and really see what the issue is. Why is it that we actually really want to change but we don't? We get right up to the finish line Mm -hmm. and then sit down. Yeah, so we can actually, we can look at how we change for good. Right. We can check yeah. out the research and we can get to, to know ourselves better today around that and, um, you know, nail down that change process. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's start. Okay. What are the stages? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> some of the researchers, probably the best known researchers in this area, um, it comes from a, a, a sort of a pop psych book called Changing for Good. And it's a really, really great book because what it does is it outlines uh, the actual processes 
and the stages of change. So most of us think of change as a linear process. Yes. You just get up and you go, oh, I'm going to change. And then when we don't change, we go, oh, I didn't work hard enough. <laughs> I wasn't committed. I failed. That sort of That's thing. That's right. But, Good way to beat ourselves up. Yeah. But this book written by James Prochaska and a guy named John Norcross and Carlos Di Clemente um, actually breaks down that change process into stages hmm. and into processes, actual kinds of process that we go through in different stages. So That's here's right. the deal. If you know what stage you're in and if you know the processes that fit with that stage, then you can actually consciously construct your change process. And this is what interesting is this is a book that has been used in coaching for yep. many years, right? And and you'll know the difference between a good coach and a bad coach or even a good therapist and a bad therapist is if you're sitting in your chair and you're visiting your coach or your therapist or talking on the phone and you're resisting them, chances are they're coaching or therapizing you at the at the stage that you're not in. That you're not in it. That's right. Right? Yep. So for those of you who are, you know, experiencing coach training or something like that, keep this in mind. If your client's resistant, Ask yourself, oh, what stage of change are they in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really important. Yeah. That's really, I mean, that's just such a bad therapy session. Yeah, totally, right? <laughs> you're talking about the light, and I'm talking about the dark, mm-hmm. and you're not going to meet. Yeah. Yeah. So we all have to go through these stages of change, and um, it's not a linear process, so we might move forward, move back, move forward, move back, that kind of thing. Mm. It's like a dance, right? It's but this common. is true for everyone. Yeah. So as you're listening to the stages – Right. Think about how you might like one stage might be your go to. You might skip over a stage habitually because you didn't didn't actually know it existed. Right. That's right. Until today. Um, <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. Um, well, some of your stages. Stage that's right. <laughs> some of the stages might be super, super slow for you. So you feel like you're stuck in that stage. Um, other ones might go super fast, so you don't even notice that you're doing it. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, when they make it their mind up to change, it's like overnight, boom, they're, uh, they're off and running. You know? Yeah. But, you know, stage number one, which is called the pre-contemplation stage, that can go on and on yep. and on. <laughs> so know, there's, yeah, there's like, six stages. I have stages. no intention, really, of making a change. Yeah. In fact, I don't think I need to change. That's right. That's pre-contemplation. Yeah, and you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. Yo, you yeah. don't know and you would deny. Yeah. Yeah. So that pre-contemplation is the first of the six stages, right? That's right. And um, so people in this stage usually have no intention of changing their behavior. And they typically uh, don't even realize that they need changing or they would deny it. They might notice that something in their life isn't going right. Right. And they might feel uncomfortable. Maybe, oh, you know, my marriage really sucks. Or, <laughs> huh, it seems like I'm always dating jerks. Or, But it's always his fault. Exactly, right? So there's this tendency sometimes to externalize right. it, right? So when you're in pre-contemplation, you don't know what you don't know. You just have a feeling of something's not quite right. Mm. Um, and resisting the idea of changing looks like rationalizing something, denying, yeah. having shame around so something. It's yeah. not so bad. No. Yeah. Having shame about something or blaming. More than likely, exactly. That's your fault. No, it's your fault. It is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, I wrote the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> it's, it's your fault. Right? Uh, yeah, the resistance there, though, is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, it's like trying to, when you tell somebody, like, you know, let's say a health matter. They need to lose weight. They need to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. They need to, you know, whatever. There's just so much resistance around. Mm-hmm. They know that. Mm-hmm. They absolutely know that, but they're not going to admit that they know that. Mm-hmm. 
So, I, I mean, I guess I, I'm, I'm sort of grappling with where they're getting the name pre, pre-contemplation when they set this up. But, I, but you are contemplating, but you're not going to do anything about it at all. Right. And I think sometimes we don't want to do anything about it. We are stuck, to use that word in pre-contemplation, because there's some recognition. There might be a deep knowing, mm-hmm. but it, it's when we consciously go, oh, I need to change something. That's when the whole process sort of starts and then sometimes you don't have so much control over what you have to change because as soon as you make a change in one place change comes everywhere oh yeah right i I always laugh at marianne williamson's um when she talks about changing and making some changes in her life and she says you know if her life was a house she just wanted to you know put on a new portico and another little porch and stuff like that and clean the windows exactly in came the wrecking ball (laughs) Right. right so as soon as you open yourself up to change then it just it can just sweep in in all sorts of areas and places that you hadn't bargained on. Yeah, I think that came up when we did our uh, another show on change mm-hmm. uh, uh, quite a few months ago. That you can't change just one thing. It's just it just sets off this whole domino effect. Exactly. And it's like people were like, "You didn't tell me this was going to happen." Mm-hmm. And it's like, "What? This is the first time you've been through changes?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, we forget that. Yeah, and it's frustrating when you're watching somebody else and you can go oh I can see where they need to change but they're clueless yeah right so there's a tendency there in um, relationships if you want to help somebody or that kind of thing is you don't push them into action yeah right you don't nag because they're not listening anyway that's right you don't give up and but also you don't enable right right that's a big one don't enable them yeah because they got to do it themselves right yeah yeah because people at that stage actually can get pretty nasty oh yeah we all can Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, when someone's trying to push us into something that we don't want to be or we don't think we need to be, mm-hmm. uh, it looks pretty nasty. It really does. So pre-contemplation is a stage that we usually don't think about. Right. 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 We Why just, would we, we think about something we're reactive we're about. to it, though. Yeah. We're reactive, but not active. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So contemplation, then, mm-hmm. the next stage. is stage two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're getting some awareness that says, mm, well, maybe I should really consider moving to another country. Yeah, something's <laughs> going on here, and oh my God, it might be me. <laughs> right? It is you. Oh no, it's, it's your fault. It uh, might be yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have shame now. Oh right? please, show a shame. <laughs> exactly. So in this stage, people acknowledge that they have an issue, and they begin sort of seriously thinking about changing it. Yep. So resistance here would look like the okay, this is going to sound familiar. The search for absolute certainty. <laughs> I will change when I know for sure yeah. that this is going to happen. And everything's going to happen and what box it'll fit into and how much right. it will cost to the penny. Right. Like we have to have, if we only had a crystal ball, then change would be easy. I have a crystal ball. I know. <laughs> if we only had a crystal ball that works. Worked. Right. <laughs> Then it would all be easy. It was big. And this this fits into the other thing, too, like waiting for that magical moment. Yep. Right? Yep. I'll change when the stars align. Exactly. The stars align and the trumpets are do-do-do-do. And that's the sign. It's time to change. Exactly. And that also fits into the other one, which is wishful thinking. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wishful thinking that I didn't have to go through all of this, that I would just wake up tomorrow morning and it would be all changed and finished. Exactly. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. It would be lovely, actually. Yeah. And the last one is, um, the one one of my favorites is premature action. I see this all the time with my clients. And I have to say, I'm often guilty of this. 
It's like, oh, something needs to change. Boop, spring into action. Do, 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 do. <laughs> what do you mean? I just changed completely the wrong thing. Exactly. Exactly. I pulled the plug on way too many things. Yeah. You know, it's not, yep, that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. And I think on that point, this is not premature action. We need to take a break. This is because awareness precedes action. There you go. We are aware of our action. Ding. Ding, ding. Okay, we'll be back on the other side of uh, these commercials. This is Gord and Jan uh, here at Things Worth Considering. We'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. This is Gordon Riddell and Jan Hill, and we are here offering things worth considering. Uh, we're talking about change. We're talking about the formula of change and the uh, actual stages that we uh, can go through and uh, maybe eventually taking a look at where you might be in the change process. So uh, where were we? Where would you, where did we leave off? Oh, I think we were on stage three. Right, which is stage uh, three. Okay, yes, stage three. Which is the singing stage. It's the singing stage. Okay, you must sing your song, sing your narrative out loud. No, you must prepare. Preparation is the third stage, and at this point, people are planning to take action. Maybe in the next month, or they're making the final adjustments prior to um, beginning the change in their behavior. Okay, so you're like, ha, I'm going to change. I know I want to change. I have to change. 
change is going to look like this and I'm getting my ducks all in a row so that I can make that change. So <laughs> it's going to look like you're focusing on the future, you're turning away from old behaviors, you're making change a priority. So you're actually, and people usually forget this part of it, you actually have to create change, create a space in your life for, for the change to come in. Yes. Meaning, if I want to say meditate in the morning, right, it means I have to get up maybe 20 minutes earlier or you know, let my dog out in the yard or whatever it is. I have to create possibilities around me to support that new behavior. The universe looks for vacuums. Ah, I love that. Yes. It can't fill what's already full. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you want a relationship and you're already in one, but you're going to hold out until you can get the right person to come along, it's not going to happen. Yeah, because there's not the space for it to happen. There isn't the space. There isn't the space emotionally. Uh, the letting go, the grief pro- hmm. you know, process of letting go of something old, uh, none of that has a chance to occur. And therefore, you know, you, you might, you might uh, grab onto something, but it's not going to last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we need, the universe looks for vacuums. So that's an interesting thing because as They're I'm, not by Dyson, by as the I'm way. thinking of that, yeah, I was going to say have a filter, please. <laughs> as, um, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the stats on marriage and remarriage. If your first marriage fails, meaning if you split up, Fail, I don't really like that word, but it's the one we always use. If you split up, if it doesn't last, if you terminate that first marriage and then go immediately into a second one, chances are, statistically, that one will also terminate. It's the third one that sticks. But people who have a long distance between of time between their first and their second relationship, the second one usually sticks. It does stick, yeah. 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 Well, after age 80, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Get out. Yeah. I'm going to run you out the door, uh, you know, get my walker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, is why the people who are having affairs and they split up to marry the person who's who they're having an affair choice. with, they often, yeah, because the circumstances and the relationship completely changes. So then they find themselves in a sort of post-divorce relationship with the person that they had the affair with. And ta-da, the environment is so different and the relationship well, Doesn't totally. Work. It's magical. I mean, if you're having this affair, it's like having a long distance relationship. Mm. You know, it's magical because you get together, you do your cha-cha, you know, a little eating, a little whatever. Uh, and the person goes home, you go home, whatever. Yeah. You fly back to where you live. Uh, you don't get to see the person on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, there's just no dirty underwear lying around. There is not. There's not even a dust bunny underneath that bed because I checked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, really, it's like everything is really quite magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then when you, you know, decide to make that permanent, you don't even know who each other is. So that's kind of interesting, right? Because um, if somebody's in that kind of a relationship, let's say, mm-hmm. then they're going to, that environment is going to actually sort of uh, support them being in that pre-contemplative stage of actually leaving their relationship that they might have. Yeah. With somebody else, the person, let's say they're married to or whatever, their long-term relationship, right? Yeah. It's going to feed this cont- this contemplation stage. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, probably a little bit of push from the other person, too. Like, sure. are you going to do something about your ex-wife? Yeah, <laughs> and that might push you into the prep mode. Right. Right? Right. So, yeah, the thing in the preparation phase is, and this is a big one for people, is a lot of people feel anxiety. They feel more anxiety in the preparation phase than they do in the actual contemplation phase. Absolutely. I can see that. Yeah. And I think this is because... Sitting thinking is very different than getting up and packing. Yeah, but I think what happens is, and this isn't true for everybody, but I think what happens is there's a whole segment of our population who 
are not really trained to break big things, big tasks down into little tasks. We don't know how to do that. Right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's just so crucial. Yeah. That's so crucial. Uh, maybe we should be doing a show on that. Yes, uh, called The Skill of Breaking Down. So it's like planning a dinner party, right? If oh, see, I read that once. I thought it was about crying. Breaking down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skill of crying. It was for the men. skill of crying, which is actually a skill. It is a skill. It is, exactly. Because men right. don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying because, you know, people get some tremendous ideas but it's so big, like they just, you know, they can't even imagine how do they get anywhere near it. Yeah, this is why they every visionary needs an administrator. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because the chances of having that, all, both the visionary and the administrator in one person, is pretty rare, <laughs> right? They have I know. to be, they're, they're cultivated skill sets. That's right. And that are often perceived as being um, in antagonistic to one another, right? So every visionary needs an administrator. Mm. And the visionary just has to hand over what needs to be done to the administrator, and the administrator just does it. Oh, God, where can I find one? Yeah, exactly. We all need one of those, (laughs) right? Administrator. Yeah, so this will alleviate the anxiety, right, if you can think about uh, how to break tasks down, bigger visions down into tasks, and how to actually implement them. We don't think about it. Think of all the 20 billion things that you have to do before you leave the house in the morning. Yeah. We don't. Some people have anxiety over that for sure, right? But we don't <laughs> consciously, after we've been doing it for a long time, we don't consciously go, oh, now I must brush this tooth and now I must brush that tooth. But <laughs> there was a time as a child when we were learning to brush our teeth. We were like, I must brush this tooth. I exactly. Must now brush that one. And sometimes we regress back there. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Um, stage four is what? Action. Action. Make it happen. Last camera. If you haven't scared Action. the hell out of yourself yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because this, this doesn't occur for everybody at all. Mm. The action phase. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's what, you're, it's what you're aiming for, but it still requires so much modification by this point or mm-hmm. changes in you know, either environment or in the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act, all kinds of things uh, is required. And so... Uh, I see people becoming incredibly resistant at this stage. Yeah, because I think honestly, hate to say it, a lot of people just lack ten, ten, uh, the capacity to speak. A lot of people just lack tenacity. That's what yes. I wanted to say. Right? And tenacity means, if you're starting a business, it means getting up and doing that thing today again, yep. even though you sent out a thousand marketing blurbs yesterday and no one responded. Right? True you just got to get up every day yeah. and do it again and again mm-hmm. and again. That's true. Right. It's true. And then it is It is very hard. Mm-hmm. It is very hard to, you know, know, you have to come in and clean the toilets again before the students arrive. Um. <laughs> right. Especially if we're fueled by, think back to contemplation, if we're fu- fueled by wishful thinking. Right. 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 Exactly. If we've allowed that to sort of take hold in the cement of our minds. It's, it's, it's taken hold and you're now in this sort of as you're talking repetitiveness or whatever, that's almost like I, I've got to be doing something wrong here. Mm-hmm. And it would be very hard on self-esteem. Mm-hmm. It, you know, perfect fuel for beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So here's where you're going to actually modify your behavior and you're going to modify the environment to actually support that behavior. Right. Right. So, and again, resistance usually looks like you're, you're maybe taking preparation lightly. 
you're not preparing thoroughly enough. Okay. So there's that person, say, in, in like my university classes or whatever, who's like, oh, I want an A, I want an A, I want an A, and they've got a plan to go to law school and they've got this and that, but they don't actually sit down and read and make notes on and memorize and think through that really boring textbook. That's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta. Like, oh, I, I, oh, I know this stuff already. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so many, so many people go to school to prove what they know and not to learn. Yeah. I mean, I see that you know at the beginning of class every year, you yeah. know, classes that you know, what about blah blah blah, whatever the question is, and like people are just bouncing to try and tell me what they already know. Yeah. So and you then, have to. You have to be ready to accept the challenges of change, right? Mm. That come, you know, that some you're able to see because you've done the prep and you've thought it through, but some that you're just not able to see at all, no. right? No. <laughs> and, it, and we're waiting for the magic bullet. Right. Especially mm. when we didn't see the fact that three or four other things had to be dissolved first. Yeah. You know, we're so focused on, on the forest, we don't see that all the trees have to come down one at a time. Yeah. And which is hard work. Yeah. Right? Yeah, a lot of a lot of hard work. And sometimes all the bears are in there. Yeah, all the bears are in there. And sometimes we end up <laughs> spending. I like bears. Sometimes we end up spending um, a lot of our time just using the same techniques that didn't work before as well, right? So yeah. this this is then we just go back to the visioning thing and the contemplation piece, right? And the preparation. And I, redo the same thing over. Exactly. And this yeah. is why it's not a fluid process. Right. 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 It's not always a trial and error, even though, you know, experiential learners will often do it that way. But experiential learners might not always be successful. Right. That's true. Right. That's true. It's, uh, it's the willingness to try and, you know, I guess it's the grit piece of, um, you know, doing the repetition, digging in just as hard. Yeah. Uh, and trying to, trying to find a way to just get it to go slightly to the right. But our our tendency to continually repeat behavior and problem solving, mm-hmm. you know, historical problem solving. Well, this is what happened twenty years ago. This is how we're going to deal with it now. Yep. And it's just not conducive to doing that. Well, and that speaks to the need for innovation, right? Innovative. It kills. It kills creativity. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it really does. Uh, but it, it, it's a safety thing, though. I mean, this is all based on safety. Sure. You know, at every stage, I have to arrive at a place that says, okay, I can breathe and I'm safe. Mm-hmm. As soon as I feel unsafe, then I begin to grab for th- the things that I knew, like the, the comfort food, you mm-hmm. know, or comfort behaviors or places or people in order for myself to believe that I'm going to become back to a place of safety again. But I think even having these stages creates a sense of safety because what it tells us when we're going through our stages and we if we are able to recognize them as stages then we know that the when the anxiety shows up oh well we need to go back well and- it normalizes everything yeah exactly it's, right? it's like, this is a common experience mm-hmm. you know for for almost all of us mm-hmm. but only until the anxiety is big enough that you don't feel safe what do you mean well because if, if that you know you can feel as normalized as you want you know, going through these stages as we are and going, oh, okay, well, I'm not really so so out of out of touch or whatever, when uh, that anxiety is now building and it's going, whoa, you're changing oh. too many. That gets big enough. So if it hits critical mass, then it just means that you didn't go back soon enough. That's right. Like that's Absolutely. the whole idea is that if you know that there's stages, then you're never going to hit critical mass because you're going to be like, whoa, I can recognize the anxieties brewing here. Oh, I better go back and I'd better like prepare Where's, a little more. Where are those pills? Right. I'd better, <laughs> I'd better prepare that a little more. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I just see so too many people derail at the anxiety level mm-hmm. and, and, 
they go so far back to the point where they're back to pre-contemplation, just sitting there hoping that something will knock on the door called opportunity. Right. And then there's the flip side of the people who are super prepared. And of course, their anxiety is connected to the preparation. So what happens is when they feel anxiety, they go back to prepare more, but they really don't need to prepare more. So again, this is all about self-awareness, right? And this is why you, me, and our listeners need to be thinking about what is our usual go-to, Yeah. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, It does does require a lot of knowing what that feels like on the inside. Yeah. Some people can't name it, you know. Uh, certainly I think men have much more difficulty naming what they're feeling than women do. Yeah. Yeah. But it can be developed. Yeah. It's like, I'm getting a bad feeling here. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So what happens after action then? Well, then you, if you're making the change, then you go into a maintenance phase, which is stage five. Most of us forget about this or we go, eh, you know, we, uh, eh. We should be focusing on preserving the new behavior and um, maybe we struggle to avoid relapses. And often we think that this is related to discipline, right? So sometimes we might get overconfident and then the paradigm collapses, the change paradigm collapses, or we might be subject to daily temptations or self-blame. Those are kinds of the, the kinds of resistors you might see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then if you remember here in the maintenance phase, if you relapse, you just got to get back into the change process, right? This is a call to, it's valuable information because what it tells us is, hey, pay attention. It's time to reevaluate your actual change process. Did you need to change something else? Yeah, exactly. That's that you exactly. weren't aware of in you the know, prep stage. Working in, with, you know, uh, people who are, you know, chemically dependent uh, is relapse is usually a return. Uh, I mean, there's all the traditional stuff, but uh, it's really a return to what you didn't get. Mm-hmm. And you go back, you pick it up and you carry it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that's, you know, just a, a, a much more intelligent way or it's a nicer way. Instead of going, you relapsed, you know, yeah. like, you, like everything got wiped out. Well, everything didn't get wiped out. Yeah. But there's a couple of things you didn't quite pick up on. Yeah. And people are really, what we seem to forget is that people are, are, are infrequently successful the first time around. So it's more likely that we need to, to we need to go through the process a few times, right? That's right. And they, well, you know, the Canadian Lung Association, uh, uh, for people who are quitting smoking, that when they look at it, the average person has to quit 13 times I can believe that. before they actually stop yeah. smoking. Yeah, and I think, 13. That, I think that the idea behind that is that change is often harder than we believe it's going to be when we're in the earlier stages. Absolutely. It gets back to that tenacity thing. Okay. Let's tenacity on over to a commercial. Okay. All right. Uh, this is uh, Things Worth Considering here on uh, Voice America Talk Radio. And I'm Gordon Dell. I'm here with Dr. Jan Hill. And we will be back on the other side of these commercials. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. 
Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we're talking today about change and things worth considering. And change is worth considering, as long as we do it correctly. And uh, don't get ourselves <laughs> caught up in too much anxiety provoking. Even talking about it makes me anxious. Um, <laughs> so the uh, the thing that we want to uh, remember here is that awareness plays out for everything. Know what we're doing. So, okay, so we, we've done these stages. Of course, uh, the last stage would be the termination, right? It's, right. It's over, it's finished, which means I'm just ready to start all over again on something else. Yeah, so it reminds <laughs> us that, in fact, the change process is a loop. I mean, yeah. really spiral around through our life, right? Because by the time we've we've changed something and it's solidified in our behavior and our belief structures changed and our identities changed and all that other stuff that goes with it, then we <laughs> reach termination. And then what happens is we go, okay, now I'm ready to change something else. No, I'm terminated. I'm terminated. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, we start something else. Uh, is that what nature teaches us? Hmm, interesting. It goes around a cycle every, yeah. every, you know, every year. It's the same cycle. It might be out by a day or two, but it's pretty, pretty consistent in our part of the world, anyways, yeah, with four seasons. And the winter time is not the dead time. It's the time where dreams are being created, right? Yeah, so and, we, and a lot of the work is being laid down. Yeah, we yeah. dream ourselves into spring. That's right. It feels like a hibernation, though. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I think no. hibernation has gotten kind of a bad rap. Yeah, yeah. No, it has. Like it as has. if it's like dead time or something. Okay, so I go into dead time. Yeah, but no, it's not. I don't. I work really hard during those times, during those months. Mm. Uh, you know, so what about, uh, uh, like, all of this has to do something in terms of, like, these processes or yeah. Or, 
Yeah. There's okay. processes that go along with these stages. So if you think about it, in the earliest stages, pre-contemplation, contemplation, those are, uh, right up before you start taking prep, there's you have different processes, and each one of us might rely on one process because it feels more natural to us than others. So consciousness raising might be something that happens in the pre-contemplation, right? When you're when you're focusing on sort of raising um, your consciousness, your level of awareness around something, right? So if you're helping somebody change, if you're coaching, you're helping somebody uh, change and they're in pre-contemplation, yep. then you might engage in consciousness raising with them, right? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Then the piece that follows from that is this idea of social liberation, right? What, because so, I changed? No, because <laughs> as you become more conscious of your need to change or of what change might bring or that there's different ways of doing things, mm-hmm. it creates a certain sense of social liberation of like, hey, wait a minute, if I did this differently, I could dot, dot, dot. If I organize my weekend differently, I might study. And if I studied, I could do really well on that test or I could take the extra time to proofread something, which right. would raise my C to a B, you know? Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that that whole area is, uh, yeah, again, it comes back to change. I don't want to change my weekend around. Yeah, <laughs> right? So it's, again, about the individual and their environment. So you'll notice that some of these some of these pieces are internal yep. and some of them are external. And that's because we're always caught in this this infinite feedback loop, right? It, absolutely. And, and all the people and the that are in that environment. Exactly, right? You know, so if there's any social liberation, that maybe uh, whatever you did might free everybody else from yeah. having to do what they're doing. Yeah, by the time we get to contemplation, or sorry, yeah, by the time we get to contemplation, then that's where we might start to feel some sort of emotional arousal, right? Like we're like, ooh, yeah, I can really get behind this. Or, oh, yeah, like I really need to change, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I find this really interesting because you see this in social movements a lot. Yes. Right. Where then people come together, and then the 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 green movement, right, the um, extinction rebellion movement, is about in many ways invoking emotion in people so that they can get behind That's making right. changes that uh, will uh, slow down climate change. Well, I can I can see just uh, you know from a very personal like in classrooms, hmm? you have this sort of we're here. I don't know what this class is really about, and then something. You know, something ignites them. Yeah. And they're all of a sudden you have this dynamic class where they're just like, boom, all these energies come together. Uh, and, and that's that's an awesome experience. Well, and because usually there's some sort of personal connection with the material, right? Sure. Absolutely. Some, like, is that, go back to climate change. Honestly, if the polar bears all die, am I, is it going to affect me a lot that I know about? No, I don't have polar bears in my daily existence. You don't? No, I don't have them in my yard. They're not coming to the dump where I live. They're not, you know what I mean? Like they're not yes. in my immediate existence, yeah. right? However, I can emotionally get behind that because I know that there are people that that will affect gravely. And that I I know that they, the the starvation of the polar bears and the drowning of the polar bears is actually a sign of some bigger problem right yeah absolutely so if absolutely. you can have a personal connection to it then the emotion is what will fuel you to actually make that change and to keep you in the contemplation stage doing the work that you need to do to uh get behind that making that change to raise absolutely. the importance of making that change right well you know if you took a just staying with a polar bear idea for a minute because it, it is you know you and i have no no experience with this but if you take a photograph of that Mm-hmm. You know, and then cut out the polar bear 
is to what all is around that polar bear that is now severely affected by the fact you got a hole in this picture. Right. That's what ecosystems are. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what it is. And that's, you know, that happens at the social level. It happens at our very personal level. And it's happening at the, eco, you know, ecological and, and environmental level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very scary. Exactly. You know, when it, once we lose a species, there's a whole lot of other species that were dependent upon that species. Mm-hmm. It could be a plant, it could be a slug, but it's everything else that's dependent upon it. Yeah, what's really interesting is, so we feel each of us have our own sort of individual kinds of responses to emotion versus rationality, right? Yeah. And so what's interesting to me is that if you feel uncomfortable with emotion, then you will feel uncomfortable with PETA stopping the slaughterhouse trucks on their way into the slaughterhouses. You will feel uncomfortable with that. You will feel uncomfortable with the the uh, animal rights stuff that you see, you know, the dog meat farms and stuff where they just show the slaughter of dogs, the brutal slaughter of dogs mm. um, on Facebook and stuff. You will feel uncomfortable with that. If you're uncomfortable with emotion, generally speaking, and you'll be like, hey, you know, I don't want that in my face. Right. And, th- and that's totally valid. Yep. Um, if you're if you're more comfortable with rationality, then you might actually really like the fourth process, which is the self reevaluation process, which goes back to this rational side of the brain. Okay. Right, where you start to reflect exactly as you've been saying on the current state of affairs, your current feelings, your current actions, these kinds of things, and you think about it rationally in the sense that, well, gee, if I'm going to dot, 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 then this is going to be the natural outcome. If I'm going to smoke, you know, two packs of cigarettes a day or vape or whatever it is, then a possible outcome could be, you know, this lung cancer when I'm 45 or something, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's that, 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 Self-reevaluation happens also in the contemplation phase. And that, the rational piece, can actually also fuel change. Yeah, yeah, for a sure. A commitment to change, right? For sure. Because actually the rational will help you map out the smaller steps. Exactly. Way more than what your emotions would. Yeah. Yeah. The emotions want to go running for the prize. Exactly. It's just interesting to me in the social change. If you actually look at social change movements, yep. the um, people who work in the field of emotionality are often vilified. Perceived as being judgmental, right? By the people who work in the realm of rationality. Yeah. The people who work in the realm of rationality are often perceived as being immoral by the people who work in the realm of emotion. Of emotion, exactly. Right. And of course, and they're right. We operate in both places. (laughs) We operate in both places, really. Yeah, the fifth process we already kind of talked about, which is this idea of commitment, which often shows up in preparation, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, the. Process of commitment is one of the most powerful things. It's, uh, you, you I mean, you just don't wake up one day and become the person that you desire to be, right? You have to, you have to actually commit to being that, and then you have to follow through, right? You have to tell yourself that you're, you are in the process of becoming that person. Yeah. Maybe over the person that you again. always were, as you shed your skin, you shed your learnings, right? Yeah, that's From right. Uh, your social learnings or whatever. Um, and you know, and again, you could share that publicly or not. You could just become yeah keep becoming right I, I don't think we need to share everything publicly no you know i, I really don't i mean i'm still uh, uh, i'm not talking about secrecy but i'm still a big believer in hold it hold your cards tight yeah you know partly that's a cultural thing and i think it's partly a generational thing you know because you look at the kids who grew up with facebook the kids who grew up with twitter and all the rest of those where everything is posted everything right yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit different. So uh, I guess because I'm not from that that uh, period when they you know they were invented and, mm-hmm. and whatever I, I was like, no, I, I don't need to do 
especially like I'm going to the bathroom now. Okay, thanks for sharing to the like the two hundred thousand people on your show. You yeah, know, like yeah. who cares? You know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think there is a there is a tendency to put a lot of their stuff out that I couldn't even see myself doing that. Well, right, and I you know I'm from a generation where privacy uh, was important, right? It still is. Yeah, well, obviously it is. But I mean, the, the laws, all, all these laws are yeah. coming out on privacy yeah. laws. My goodness, mm-hmm. you, know, you look the wrong way, and you broke in a privacy law. Yeah. yeah. So now, now the fifth or the sorry, the sixth process is uh, what they call countering, and this is a process that shows up in action in the action phase, right? And the countering is uh, what you do is basically you substitute. We all know this. Anybody who ever took you know, stop smoking or anything like that or went to Weight Watchers or any of that. Instead of eating the chips, what do you eat? Carrot sticks. Smoke cigarettes. Instead of of smoking the cigarettes, what do you eat? Carrot sticks, right? So carrot sticks are, this is probably one of the reasons why carrot sticks are so widely purchased across North America is because we're using those as substitutions, as something, an action that counters the existing action. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Thank God for little baby carrots. I know. Yeah. They help us become, uh, this countering helps us become more aware of the behavior that we want to change, how many times it shows up. Like if you're just an unconscious nail biter, yeah. if you know, if you put that stuff on your fingernails that, that taste gross, you actually then realize how many times you put your little fingernails into your mouth. Right. Whereas right. before you're like, yeah, I didn't even realize. Yeah. Then every right? time you put your finger, you go. Bleh. Exactly. You know, right? my brother, my brother and I were we were major nail biters. Ah. And my mother, I, this is my younger one of my younger brothers, and my mother took the two of us to uh, see our family doctor, and, and yeah, we we pretty much chewed them off. And uh, so he said to me, "Do you know or to us, my brother and I, the 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 woman whose uh, arm's missing and her half her arm, you know, the Venus, uh, the Milo statue." Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And he looked at me and he said, she bit her nails. And look what happened to her. Oh, my God. And I walked out going, oh, my God. Do you know I never bit my nails again? Wow. My little brother went down the stairs saying, well, that's a load of crap, as he spit out his nails. Your little brother was so much wiser than you. Still, no, I, he still bites his nails. I don't. Oh, okay. Well, so, it's, so, but it was just—it was just a reminder. Short-term wise versus long-term wise. <laughs> I was like, oh my wise god! Guy. I don't want my arm to fall off because I'm chewing on a fingernail. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The seventh process is related to again stuff that we've been talking about is environmental control, right? Yep. So, uh, change the environment. Yes. Right. Change as soon as you have to, you, you know, you you can't get better in the city that you got sick in. Can't get better than the city. That's that's a that's a whole rehab thing. Is it? Yeah. Oh, for yeah. rehab. You need to go away. You need to go away and go into rehab or, or whatever. But yeah. you can't hang out with the same crowd and yeah. expect to be a different person. Right, because the environment won't support change. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. They do not want in any way, shape, or form for it to happen. Yeah, it's just like you never. Because that threatens them. Yeah, never profit your own land. Right. right. <laughs> it's true. I had a professor no preaching said, to the choir. Yeah. I had a professor who said that to me once after she switched universities, and I thought, oh, I like her. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. The eighth process is one we use all the time, which is basically rewards, right? Yeah, it's I the like oldest rewards. approach known to humankind. Yep. Right? It's just reward yourself for the, the, for the positive change. and Just like we do with puppies. Yep. And ignore <laughs> the other one. Right? Yes. And yeah, then yeah. the final process is to create helping relationships. Right, and you can do this this throughout uh, your whole s- process of change is to create helping relationships, right? That support your change process. Yeah, 
right? Yeah. Uh, you have to have people that support that process, uh, especially if it's big stuff like you know, life, major lifestyle changes. Uh, you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. We're social yeah. creatures. We have to be connected to others that will support us in what we're going through. Exactly. So out of all the, what do you have a default process out of all these processes that you noticed? Uh, gee, I don't. I, I, I didn't really put much thought into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my default. Uh, yeah, yeah. Back to pre-contemplation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mr. exactly. Mr. Rydell, could you please return to the pre-contemplation waiting room? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? Uh, what, what about you? I don't know. I have a couple I think that I fall into a lot. I um, am big on environmental changes, right? Like uh, change the world around me kind of thing, even if it's just my living, living room, repaint the wall. Right. I'm a big believer in that. So I'm that person who, oh, I better get fit, so I'll go buy skis because I'm going to, if I, like buying skis and putting them in my closet is somehow going to make me fit, <laughs> right? Like, you know, yeah, carrying them out of the store. Yeah, that yeah. was really hard. That's going to work. That yeah. was good upper body development, <laughs> right? But, yeah, so I'm that person, Um yeah. So. I always see, you know, I think there's a spiritual correlation between, or maybe it's not spiritual, it is to me. But <laughs> when I see people or myself, and suddenly I'm like cleaning out stuff, I'm letting go, I yep. cl- clean out the closets, blah, 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 they're making room. Yeah. You know, something's coming, something good, uh, because they don't even realize you're cleaning out their closet, you know, uh, that it, something's going to happen there. Exactly. Which brings us to the end of this show. Okay. Right on time, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was off here. And our reward will be Thanksgiving. Yeah, for us. That's coming up, yeah. 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 No, not we're going to be on the other side. Not for the turkeys. Not for the turkeys, yeah, no, poor things. Uh, so, anyways, uh, hopefully this helps you with uh, uh, ideas around change and the fact that it is very mapped out and it's something you can follow. Um, and you can go on to our uh, homepage at the uh, uh, Voice America and you'll be able to uh, take a look at these stages and listen to it again after it's, pl- after it's played. If you want to go back, go over it and over it and over it. <laughs> that might be <laughs> so part of get the preparation phase. We'll find out where you <laughs> let relapse back to. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, uh, Jan, thank you, as always. You're welcome. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.